This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Thanks, Sias. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Doing well? Slacker coat? It's so beautiful here. I'm from Poch, right? And so... Um, we were the week before we came here, we were in um, Uppington. And so on Thursday, I um, was driving through the desert in Uppington in the Kalahari. And then on Friday, we were looking on the green mountains with snow here. And I was like, man, this is crazy. South Africa is such a beautiful country. But I, I kind of feel like there's, and I've said this before, and I'm, and I'm keep on saying it. I feel there's, I don't want to make a theology out of this, but there must be, like more eternal rewards for me living in Portuguese for you guys living here. Because this is so beautiful. Like this is like, this is not trouble to live here. And I'm just so thankful to be with you guys and spend some time. I love hearing the generosity of this church. The other day I got a text message from some of my friends that if a few people did a fundraiser and another group of um, people raised 2.5 million rand for a church in Afghanistan as well. And I bet you if all of us would share the people we've known that's given over the last few weeks, there will be millions that's been given, right? Don't believe the voices that's saying the church is going backwards. We're not. We're not going backwards. We're not getting defeated. Our God is faithful, and we're moving forward. If it's an inch at a time, we're moving forward. So I'm so excited to share with you guys this evening a word that I feel God has for us as we going to ju- jump into the, into the Bible, but I want to ask something. Look at this book. This book is the Bible. Say Bible. You better read it, eat it, sleep on it. I don't care what you do. Listen to it. Memorize it. Get this book in you. God chose by his wisdom not to give us a video projector. He decided to give us truth through a book. And there's, there's some one thing I'm seeing being assaulted in this generation. It's this book. And the problem is, the moment you let the voice of the enemy, the narrative of this generation, disciple you when it comes to how important this book is, all of a sudden, your foundation will get vankelrach. It's going to get shaky. Because this book is the foundation of truth that God gave us. There is no subjective truth. That book gave us objective truth to define family, to define relationships, to define love, to define sexuality, to define what is a healthy culture, what's healthy communities. And there's so much confusion in our world. And we don't need special things. We need people to read this book and live it. It's the same plan that's toppled Rome, that's conquered every kingdom of this earth from the inside out, that ended slavery, that gave more rights than anything has ever given any human beings. This book gave it. The reason that there can be girls mixed with guys is this book. The reason that we can be multicultural, multilingual in this room, this book. Get it in you. It's important. It's not a side thing. 
And I've, I've decided that everywhere I preach, I will talk about this book before I start. Because there is an all-out assault on this book. And we better start standing up for it, or before we wipe out our eyes, it will be too late. And we will lose a generation to the language of this world. Far be it from us, it will happen in our day. Okay, I don't want to be like Josiah that found the book of the law. And all of a sudden, we have to reteach our children how to read this book. Okay, so that's the side issue. Let's keep going. Second Peter, open up the book. It's on your phone. I don't care where it is. It's okay. It's not more special if it's paper. Um, you can go to Second Peter 1. And um, we're talking about endurance in this season. And what does it mean for us to be a church that endures in hard times? And I want to say this as I'm going to read this for us, is that if we want to endure for the sake of endurance, if we as a church, big capital letter C, not small letter C, right, capital letter C, the church of Jesus on the earth, we're in a season with a little bit of pressing right now. Okay, we're getting sifted, we're getting like a little bit shaken, plain Biki, okay, but here's the thing, for us right now in this room, our biggest shaking is that I can't see my friend on the other side of the divider. That's not really a shaking, okay? That's like kind of just an inconvenience, right? And so I want to encourage us that you would read those stories about Afghanistan, about what's happening to our friends in Pakistan, what's happening to our friends in northern Nigeria, right? Read those stories so you can get perspective about how lucky you are for where you live. It's a privilege to live in a nation where we can freely worship Jesus. So as we're looking at living steadfast lives, lives where we can set ourselves to know God and run this race well, if your goal for steadfastness, if your goal for walking this walk of faith well is just so that you might go to heaven, I want to say something. You'll never do it. Because grace is not there for you to have a ticket to heaven. Grace is something way else. And today I want to spend this whole time talking about grace. And the grace that we've been given and how do we participate with it so that in Stellenbosch and in South Africa we can see God do something that will shake the nations. I did not sign up for easy Christianity. I don't think you did either. As I know this church and I know your leader, you guys are kind of like mulligate mockers. Okay, you're mavericks. That's why there's dividers there and there's everybody in this room and people there. I love it. Like I walked in here, I was like, I love these people. They're my type of people, right? That's what you signed up for. So I'm gonna read us this and I meditate on this piece of scripture, change your life. So let's jump in. His divine power has granted us all things, say all things, that pertain to a life in godliness. So there it tells us that God's divine power gave us everything that we need for a life in godliness. Now here's my question. Did you do that to yourself? Did you somehow climb into heaven and go rob the treasuries of heaven to give to yourself the power to give you a life in godliness? Question, did anybody of you do that? The answer is no. Okay, you did not do that. God did that to you. It says there that he granted it to you. That's a free gift that you could not give to yourself. Holiness was given as a gift. You do not, you do not become holy 
What happens is you get saved, holiness is imparted, and then you work out that holiness in your walk with God. It goes on and it says, through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His very precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That piece of scripture is shocking. It says here that God did not only give you everything you needed for a life in godliness, He also, as you grow in the knowledge of Him, made you a partaker of the divine nature. Have you ever thought what that means? It means that somehow, in God's grace, when you got born again, He didn't just go like, high five, see you in heaven when you die. Somehow, He imparted His life into your life so that you can be saved today and that your life shares the very life of God. That you're not just trying a little bit to get from A to B, know that God imparted the very life that's within the Godhead into your life. My favorite definition of grace is not unmerited favor. That is a good definition. But my favorite definition of grace is one step further, is partaking in the life of God. It's unmerited favor onto communion. The favor that I was given was that I could share his life. This is eternal life, that I might know him. That eternal life is not an abstract thing that's way out there. Eternal life is something that was put right here. It says in Ephesians 1 verse 14, that the Holy Spirit was given as a seal of salvation, the proof of what is to come. That word seal is the word erebo in Greek. I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Okay? That Greek word is a down payment, a down payment, a proof of the goodness that is to come. So back then in the time when Paul wrote Ephesians, they did not have Instagram or social media. They could not send you a quick photo of what you want to buy. So what happened was you said you want to buy a piece of land, but you cannot walk for a few weeks to go look at it. So the people from that piece of land brought you the produce. They brought you a cow, they brought you a sheep, they brought you some of the grapes, and that was the erebor, the down payment of the goodness of the land that you bought. So when it says that the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, is the seal, the promise of what is to come, what it is saying is that the Holy Spirit and the fruit of living the life in the Spirit is actually the down payment of the goodness of the age that is to come. That the life I get to share in the Spirit, that life that I get to live now, this partaking in the divine nature, the divine power that grants to me everything I need for a life in godliness, that there is God sharing His life with me so that I know what it is that He gave me as a promise. Now you need to go like, 
You're not just getting up in your hostel going like, man, I don't have what, I hope I watch porn today. Like you wake up and Satan goes like, man, I hope they didn't figure out who they are today. Because if they know who they are, you will not lower your life to the level of selling yourself for a lesser lover. You will not give yourself for instant gratification if the spirit within you is giving you infinite gratification. You won't sell yourself for a quick fix when there's eternal riches and pleasures forevermore in his right hand. To share in the life of God is to share in the fellowship of the Trinity. Is that I'm caught up in the love relationship that's been burning between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit forever. That is what it means that you have been given grace. That is what it means that you are partaking in the divine nature. You have been caught up in that fellowship and just going like, welcome, Son. 1 John 3, how great is the love that was poured out on us that we might be called sons. This is the promise that was given here. Now my question to you is, could you do this to you? The answer is no. You cannot climb yourself into the love relationship that's been burning within the Trinity forever. And I feel it's so important for you guys to catch that this morning or this evening, sorry, is that you, all of the things I just mentioned, you couldn't do it yourself. That's a gift. When you accepted Jesus as Lord, when you decided that He is the King of your life, you just got the biggest unfair exchange in the history of humanity. Like when we went to Nepal, we went a few years ago, we hiked these mountains, it was crazy, preached the gospel to people, that's never heard of Jesus. <clears throat> so you're sitting for hours and going like, hey, let me reconstruct your whole reality. You're worshiping 300 million gods. Let me explain to you, there's only one. Their biggest objection is it's too good to be true. You can't tell me that's how good it is. It's too good to be true. The gift that you were given is too good to be true. But it is. That's why it's a scandal. That's why grace is so offensive. That's why it's a stumbling block. Because you're telling me, if I give up my life that's already falling apart, that I can't even do my own books, I can't figure out how to fix it for me. You tell me if I'm giving that up and just worshiping you, you'll give your perfect life to me. Yep, that's grace. That's mercy. That is Christianity. It's that in the midst of chaos, order and beauty steps into this chaos that's formless and void. As I get to know and share in his life, the same as in the creation story, he creates beauty and order out of me. Day by day by day as I share in his life. You could not do that to you. He did it to you. Now, it changes in a pretty interesting way. In verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort. Say, make every effort. What does every effort mean? Every effort. So here we see that Peter describes grace and he gives this crazy explanation. You've been given everything. 
You're partaking in the divine nature. You have all of this. It is yours. You could not deserve it. Now that you know how wealthy you are, live like it. Make every effort. That, those three words there changed my life forever. I always had this weird thing where I was like, man, I love holiness. I love the fear of the Lord. But people always make me feel like I'm legalistic. Right? And for the lukewarm, the in love will always look like legalistic. Lukewarm people always make lovers feel like they're legalistic. But I read those three words and I was like, wait, if you're telling me every effort, it means that because I don't want to watch six hours of series, I actually want to read the Bible in that time, that's okay. It's actually okay that I want to take a weekend, not go out with my friends and go and worship God for three days. That's okay. You're actually telling me that in this Jesus week, we're going to come together every night and see God, and that's okay. That, I'm not strange. It's actually I'm responding to grace and going like, man, Father, you gave me everything. I want to make every effort to add to this faith. What does it say? Virtue. Or what does it say there? Depends on which version you read. Make every effort to supplement your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, steadfastness, to steadfastness, brotherly affection, to brotherly affection, love. It says, add to what was given. That word virtue depends on which version of the Bible you read. Sometimes it says goodness, right? Virtue or goodness, what it means, as I'm, I'm packaging this a little bit, I'm going to package one of these words. It means love that wishes the best for the sake of others. So it says, if you believe, that's what faith is, that this is who you are. Now let your love spill out and wanting the best for others. Isn't it funny that you get a ginormous gift from the Father that you do not deserve, and then he goes like, okay, don't become self-obsessed, now look at somebody else. The first thing, he goes like, well, look at somebody else. <laughs> right? He's like, you've been given everything. And just before we inhale it and get pride for us, no, look at somebody else now. First step, let your love point outwards. Second step, if you have virtue, if your love is pointing outwards, add knowledge. What does that mean? It means that my life is aware of what is true. That I'm learning to love God according to Mark 12, the great commandment, to love Him with my mind. I'm adding to an outpointed love. A heart that is a mind that is enlightened to his ways. Then he goes like, well, now that you know that your knowledge has increased, now add self-control. Why would you add self-control to knowledge? You'll add self-control to knowledge because if you know the truth, the truth that you know will set boundaries automatically. This is like a blueprint of how to live a holy life. So it goes like, you've been given all these gifts, now point your love outwards, grow in your knowledge of Him, and all of a sudden, if you grow in your knowledge of Him, you're going to go like, man, God says, I can't love money. I hate giving away my money. All of a sudden, now you have to have self-control about what you do with your money. And then now that you need self-control what to do with your money, then it goes like, now have perseverance. 
Now, I can't just have self-control once, right? My every effort requires that I have self-control a lot. I have to persevere in the good work. And then he says, don't just have perseverance. What adds to perseverance? Now we have brotherly affection. Now love others. Don't just want the best for them. No, love them. And then it all culminates in love. Be a person of love. It was unpacking the practical steps of how to get to love. The end goal of this is love. Why? Because God is love. Because read what it says next. Go to verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. So it says that these attributes are not just to be practiced once, but they are to be practiced as a response of what God did to you, and they are to increase in your daily walk. They are to increase as I have a daily rhythm of making it about others. I have a daily rhythm of growing in my knowledge of Him. I have a daily rhythm of abstaining from things. I have a daily rhythm of setting my heart to walk faithfully before God. I have a daily rhythm to love others. I have a daily rhythm to grow in my God-likeness and love. That is not just a one-time encounter. A one-time encounter leads to a lifelong devotion. And then it goes on in the end and it says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted and blind that they have forgotten the mercy that was shown to them. So it starts with, you could not do this to you. You remember? Then it says, because you were given this gift, now walk it out in these ways. And if you do, cannot walk it out in these ways, go back to the first point. Remember, you could not do this to you. So whenever you think about these qualities, whenever we think about walking faithfully with God, whenever we think about persevering and suffering, he's saying that the way that you keep on doing it is not by trying harder, it's by seeing clearer. It's by understanding that you have been saved from eternal death and that you've been given a life in Him that will last forever. And the moment we start struggling to walk on our Christian walk, it doesn't say bite the bullet and try harder. He's like, if you've forgotten, go back to remind yourself that God has given to you mercy. That you've deserved death. You deserve hell. You deserve to be separated from God forever. And as your heart is filled with thankfulness, the first response will be to make every effort. The moment my legs are shaking, it's hard to make every effort. I'm looking back. Oh, you saved me. God, you're so merciful. Thank you, Jesus. I partake in the divine nature. Man, I want to make every effort. I want to make every effort. It gets hard again. I don't look inward. I don't look to other people. I look back and go like, God, you're so good. Thank you for the cross. I've been giving everything. Man, I want to make every effort. Then things get hard. University is hard. Lockdown is again. There's a split in the middle there again. All things are hard. I want to isolate. I look back at the cross. God, you're so good. Thank you. I've been given everything for a life in godliness. I want to make every effort again. Our Christian walk cannot originate in us. That's why a lot of Christians are so tired. It's all of their life in God depends on them. And as I read this book, I learn more and more this life with Him flows from the one called life. When I'm tired, 
I started worshiping something else. Now, it doesn't mean I don't get tired. But it's a different tired. It's a tired that's here. That comes from bowing before performance, bowing before the fear of man, bowing before other lovers. And this evening, as I'm with you guys, I want to say that I believe that God has given you everything. He has given you everything. He has given you everything. Some of you are frantically trying to figure out how to fix your life. I want to say to you that He has given you everything. I want to say, read one last part. Okay. I will be done now. <laughs> okay, great. I, I had it as 10 minutes. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't understand Sias's hand signals. <laughs> we'll get it. Don't worry. <laughs> so Romans 12. <clears throat> such a beautiful piece of scripture. 12.1. You guys could just go there. ESV will be great. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God. The NIV says this nicely. It says, inside of God, God's mercy. So here in Romans, the same thing happens, right? So I'm going to give you a quick run over of Romans. Romans 1 and 2, God kind of says that all of men, the righteous, the pagan, and the morally good man, all of them fall equally short of God's glory. Nobody without Jesus is good enough. Romans 4, 5, and 6 and then talks about how, how God through Christ Jesus became the new Adam, and Jesus lived a life that none of us could live so that we can be made the righteousness of Christ, so we can have peace with God. Now that is, we should jump on our chairs and start yelling, we have peace with God. God will never remember your sins. Yo, isn't that a good feeling? Like this morning, um, Gilia had us meditate on verses, and I, I, I meditated on that nothing can separate my, me from your love. I realized never ever, no matter how bad day I have, Nothing. That's good news. Then Romans goes on and, and it explains how God was faithful to Israel. And so all of Romans 1 till 11 is the story of how God did everything to us. We could not do, not do anything to us. And then Romans 12 starts and says, For in sight of God's mercy, in other words, looking what he has done to you again, what does it say? It says this. Inside of God's mercy, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I love this. This is so powerful. Again, he says the same thing in a different way. Now it's Paul and not Peter. And Paul says, hey, God did you a favor. He saved you. So remember what he did to you. And then do not be conformed, but be transformed. Now I'm going to run over what does those two things mean. Conformity happens by mindless following. You scrolling on this thing, 
you'll be conformed to what you look at the most. Right? So it says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. The one conformity happens from mindless following. Transforming happens from conscious decision. Conscious decision. Conscious decision. So he says, hey, you've been saved. Remember you've been saved. So do not just follow anything. Choose in your life that you will make every effort and give yourself to the ways of God. Give yourself to following Him because then you will know. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. I love this. If you take these two pieces of Scripture and you put them together, you see here a picture of a pursuit of holiness that is not bent on legalism. It comes and it originates from a place of responding to God's goodness and going like, man, I have a part to play. I remember this liberated me so much because I always was wondering, am I too much? Like, do I, do I want to try too hard? Am I a little bit extra? Like, it's like a bit too erg. It's gay. It's a bit personally. It's a bit intense. You can see I'm not But like they have a little bit of a sense of humor. But <clears throat> this set me free. And I believe there's a generation of young people on the earth now that's begging, is there somebody that will give me permission to be radical? Is there somebody that will give me the yes to give my life for everything? And I'm here today to say that there is somebody, and he did it 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross, and he made you a partaker of his life, so that for the rest of your life, you have the privilege, the honor, and the dignity to make every effort till the day you breathe out your last breath. Because we are made to do it. We are made to be wholehearted. We were made to be zealously in love and to be spent on something. Human beings in our nature are worshiping beings. You always worship something. The problem is, you'll just become like the thing you worship. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.